0: So if you are anything like me, uh, you have realized that this is the first week you're probably thinking about resolutions and kind of all the new things of the year. And one of the things I've always been curious about is why some people seem to stick to their resolutions, decide to do something and just do it. And why some don't. And I know in my life it's the same way. There are some things when we decide to do it, it just happens and you just stick to it and it becomes a habit forever. And some things fail like day one, like when I got wings and tater tots on January 1st. Um, I'm not gonna reveal my resolution though. Um, So we often do that, well, no, 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 don't. You don't need to guess out loud, that's fine. Um, but I find often when I decide the new, new things, I often think I, I need a bunch of stuff to do. it. I start with this idea of what I don't have. And I think that's for a lot of us. We start with what we don't have. And if I just had these things, um, then I could be good at it. This has played out especially um, with my hobbies over the past. Now, this was especially pronounced in the early days, these heady days when I had a job in the marketplace and sales. My wife was working. We had no kids. Uh, these were called the dream days. Um, lots of disposable income and uh, I wouldn't say lots, but more than more than when you have kids, if those of you who know about that. And so it started the first time. Uh, Rachel saw me like watching this program on TV about RC gas cars. And I was like, ooh, that looks like fun. They're loud and fast. And for my birthday, this is, nature really nailed it. She's like not always the best gift giver. Like this is something that's self-proclaimed. Like sometimes you just have to make an Amazon wish list and give it to her and go like, that's the exact right present. But this time she guessed and nailed it. She got me this fast RC gas car. And it was so loud and fast. And I played with it about one day before I realized I needed many of these to make my life complete. Because if I was going to be good at this and become a semi-professional RC car driver, which is what I was pretty sure I was going to do, I needed to have maybe like four or five of them and think for for Craigslist and people wanting to get rid of their old hobbies. You could find great deals on these. And so I started accumulating and now there's a wall of them. And then it gets to be the point you have so many like gloves and accessories that you can't remember what they go with. So you don't play with any of them. So I blame this, I know, right? So so that wasn't supposed to be that sad. It was supposed to be funny. Um, (laughs) But then I continued on with guitars. I've played guitar my whole life. I've always played acoustic guitar. And then I was like, well, I'm going to get into electric guitars. But if I'm going to be good at electric guitars, I need lots of things to do. I need like straps. I need new picks. I need probably some new guitars. Craigslist again, here to the rescue. Um, If anybody's looking for a used Stratocaster, let me know after the service. Um, And then Scuba was one another one. I just, I've got to have all the right stuff. I mean, what if a shark attacks you? You've got to have a good dive knife, right? Like very important. You've got to have a watch that works underwater to at least a thousand feet, because who knows how deep we might get. And so it just happens over and over again. I get into these things and I think, I just need more stuff to be good at it. Those of you who golf know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And and, and then you get into it. And what happens to me oftentimes, I get this stuff and then I'm like, well, now I'm too overwhelmed to actually do it. Or you just realize I'm actually not that into this. What did I just get myself into? Um, But I think this starts and happens a lot in our life. We often start the conversation with what we don't have. Uh, what we need to be ready. I, I, some of those phrases that come out, and, and, and especially in the more serious parts of the things we wanna do in our life, uh, if only, right? If only I could, if only I had, if only this happened. I think those if onlys are those indicators of like we're putting something off and, and we start with what we don't have with an if only. Another one I, I use a lot and that I hear a lot, is, I could, but, right? You put that big but right in the middle of it. It's like, I could, but I've got some other stuff going on. I could, but uh, not me. Nobody would want me to do that. I could, but I just don't have the time. Uh, we're limited by our own personal understanding of who we are, and we combine it with our fear, uh, with our doubts, with our previously unmet expectations, with our disappointments. One of the great things about God, one of the things that has just been striking me so much over these last couple of years, I've had some time, in it as we've been going through these different series, is that God is not surprised about how we're wired. God created you and I in his image. He wired us up. He knows exactly who we are. He knows our natural tendencies. He knows how we look inward. He knows that we rely on ourselves. And he has seen it play out time and time again. And he is not surprised by it. And so he works with us in the midst of this. In the very beginning, he created Adam and Eve, right? The first two people. And here he had given them everything. I mean, if you talk about a sweet situation, every food you want, perfect, perfect, Perfect relationship with God, everything you could ever want. And they started with what they didn't have. If only I had the fruit from that one tree. If only I had the knowledge of good and evil, everything would be fine. Then life would be complete. I mean, even Adam and Eve, in their perfect state of everything, started with that part from the very beginning, wired up to be looking for what we don't have. Um, God saw it again early on, uh, Moses. We've been studying Moses as a staff over the last year. And one of the things that's so striking about Moses, who's this father of the faith, he's like one of the heroes when you go back. And uh, you may remember him uh, from Sunday school if you grew up in it, but Moses is just this towering figure. But early on, so many times God comes to him and tells him to do stuff. One time he says, Moses, go tell these people this stuff. And he's like, oh, but I'm not a very good speaker. I've got a problem with my speech. They wouldn't listen to me. Moses. I mean, another time he says, go do this thing. And Moses goes, who, who am I that anybody would listen to me? So God is not surprised by this. Uh, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this next year as we continue to spend a year in the life of Jesus is because Jesus reveals to us exactly who God is. The reason God sent Jesus, the reason he sent his son is so that we could know fully who he was. You see, Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is the perfect picture of what God would look like on earth. And he reveals himself to us. Hebrews uh, 1.3 says this, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. I love that, the exact representation of his being. Colossians 1.15, the sun, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So God wanted to reveal himself to us. He wanted to be known. He wanted us to see what he was like. And so he sent Jesus. And as we spend this year with Jesus, we'll see more fully who God is. And that's why we're doing it. Because we really believe that as you see Jesus, you will see God. And God is not surprised that we start with our own limitations. So he steps into our life. Jesus starts with a very different thing. God starts from a very different place. Adam and Eve and Moses, he started with what they did have. He started with saying, you have these things. I'm asking you to do it. And Jesus is the same way. He starts with what we do have. And he calls us to more than we can hope for. We see this most clearly with his disciples. And the text we're going to be looking at today is Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. It's in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Mark is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's one of the ones I recommend people to read, especially uh, students as they're kind of going, what should I read in the Bible? Mark is a a man of action. Mark is kind of picking up these stories from other people. He is a little bit younger during the time of Jesus, so he's putting it all together. You'll see a lot of the same things in Matthew and Luke. But Mark doesn't even tell a birth story. Like he skips right into where Jesus' ministry starts. He just kind of picks up right in the middle of the action. And Mark uses, and then, if only. And I mean, he, he just jumps in and it kind of keeps moving along. And so Mark tells this story in the middle of it. And one of the first pieces of Jesus' ministry, like one of the very first thing he does is calls his disciples. So let's look at it in verses 16 through 20. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Right at the very beginning, Jesus starts going out and calling people to him. Come, follow me. come come see what I'm doing and you'll find out more. He doesn't seem to wait for their qualifications. He doesn't look at them and go, how old are you again? It doesn't seem like he has a long interview process here. He's not like a checklist of things. He looks at them and says, come follow me. He knew what was in store for them. And he sets them on a path. I imagine that for these disciples, these guys, they got up that morning, they got on the boat with their dad or whoever they were working with that day and went out to work. I doubt many of them expected to be called to follow Jesus that day. I doubt many of them had a picture bigger than they were gonna go out and hopefully catch fish and make enough money to make it through the next day or have enough food for the next day. Most of them probably didn't have a grander vision for their life other than today I'm gonna fish, tomorrow I'm gonna fish, and we're gonna keep doing this. So what's so surprising is that as soon as Jesus walks in, they leave. There's something that must have been so attractive about Jesus to make them leave everything they had known There must have also been some sort of wiring inside them to want something more, which I think is true for all of us, whether we say it or not, a lot of us, and I know for myself especially, I tamp down dreams. It's easy to kind of live in the middle and just say, well, this is what life looks like. I'm just going to kind of live in this bubble. It's safe. We'll stay here. And I imagine a lot of those guys were the same way. I'm, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to follow the family business. This is good for us. But as soon as Jesus walks in, they jump off the boat and go do something else. Four things I think we can learn in the midst of the story. The first is this. Obedience often precedes understanding. Um, these guys couldn't have known everything to know about following Jesus. They didn't have enough time. Jesus was new on the scene. There wasn't a lot of history behind it. They weren't in this process. They were called and they went. They obeyed well before they understood everything. And I would say if they understood everything, there's a good chance they wouldn't have gotten off that boat because many of them ended their life in, in pretty brutal ways. I mean, most of them sacrificed their life for the cause. Most of them ended up in places far from where they started, leaving their families and, and going in this new way. They had lived a life that was not always the easiest, but they got to see up close in person, God in the flesh. They couldn't have possibly understood all of it. Even as they get towards the end of the story, as we'll look at it this year, they didn't fully understand what was happening. Oftentimes they would be confused and Jesus would have to pull them aside to tell them where they didn't understand all of it, but they obeyed. A few years ago, we were sitting around as a staff and we were asking each other and kind of telling each other stories, like, how did you get into this ministry? How did you get doing what you're doing? Or how did you become a volunteer? What was it that led you to do this? And almost to a person... Someone said, someone asked me to do something well before I was ready to do it, well before I had the abilities to do it, but they trusted me. They saw something in me and called it out and said, hey, could you do this? From running slides to playing an instrument to uh, working with kids to doing something that was outside of their comfort zone. And It was just so interesting because someone saw something, called out and said, come follow me and come do it. And then they did it. That was the second part. Not only did someone call them, but they obeyed and they did it. And, and their life looked different because of that. And I think the same thing happens with these guys. I don't know why it's always so surprising, but almost all of it happens well before we're ready. Second thing is this. Jesus called people to follow him and then he promised he'd be with them always. Come and follow me and I'll be with you. I, I love that. Right before this in Mark 1 15, it's really interesting. Um, Jesus makes a big pronouncement. Right before he calls these guys, he makes one of the biggest statements that he will make uh, throughout his life. He says, the time has come The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's saying, I'm here. The kingdom has come. Repent and believe the good news. He's he's kind of proclaiming who he is and what he's here for to bring this kingdom near. And the next thing he does is he calls people to follow him. There's something in that. There's something tied together between what is the kingdom? What is he coming to do and calling people, these young guys, these people that weren't quite ready, that not quite ready for primetime players to come be with him. He continues to do that today. He calls us to follow him and says, I'll be with you though. Follow me. You're not ready. You don't get it all yet, but I'm going to walk with you. I won't leave you in the midst of this. Third thing, Jesus doesn't need or depend on our ability, but he uses them. This is one of the most beautiful things, I think. Jesus doesn't need you and I. He doesn't need the things we can do. God is God. And if we ever forget who God is, uh, it's not hard to be reminded if we walk outside and look at what he created. It's not hard to look back at the Old Testament and see the power that God has. God can do what God wants to do. He is God, but he invites us in. He chooses to use us. And when we are obedient, when we follow him, he uses us in such surprising ways. He uses some of the gifts that we had that we never knew he had. I'm actually looking at someone right now that I would have never in a million years believed that he was a BCL actor. But he's amazing at it. And God calls us just such unique things in all of us. And it's just like all these things that we would never dream of that he sees. And he calls them out and uses them in such surprising ways. It's you, Jason. In case you were I just, you know, just Yeah, you were looking at me like, Who? No, you. Um, but then all those kind of things that God uses them in such surprising ways when he, I mean, he does that. And I love that. He doesn't need this, but he uses us. And he allows us to be on the front lines of all of this. I look back at the story of my life and the things he has allowed me to witness to and be part of is just unbelievable. And I think for many of us, we would believe the same thing the times when we've really trusted and leaned in. The last thing is this. When we go and follow Jesus, we're always in over our heads. I mean, these guys left all of their stability, all of their family, all of their work, everything they had, and they jumped into something they didn't fully understand, and they were in way over their heads. I mean, not long after this, Jesus like, hey, why don't you go out and cure some people? Go heal some people and go tell everybody the good news. I mean, and these are like 16, 17-year-old guys just kind of left. I mean, not long after this, they were seeing people being risen from the dead. They were seeing their person, Jesus, who they've been following so closely, die I mean, they were in so far over their heads, but Jesus was with them always. When we as a church started looking into what God was calling us to do, uh, we really believed from the very beginning here at Summit that God wanted us to be part of something happening in the world, something outside of just our community that we believe so strongly that our church is called to love our community and be part of it, That, but we knew that globally God was calling us into something. So the leaders at the time started praying about where is God calling us to? What is it that he wants us to get involved with? And at that time, uh, the looming epidemic of the time was the AIDS pandemic in Africa. And, and we started taking steps into it. And, and at the time, that was a scary Thing because people were dying so rapidly. Uh, we felt way over our heads. Uh, the problems were bigger than anything we could accomplish on our own. There was an orphan crisis. There was a whole generation missing, uh, uh, people just gone. And there are all these kids sitting there without parents trying to figure it all out. There are systemic issues far beyond our scope of help. But as a church, as we followed Jesus in, as we started taking these steps, Jesus said, no, we want you to to plant a flag in Africa, to go and to find out more, God said, this is the place. This is the place that's pretty sticky. This was a thing that a lot of churches didn't want to touch because AIDS at the time was not a pretty picture. It was not something that it's like, there's a lot of pieces to this whole puzzle. And God kept leading us in. And as we followed Jesus in, we experienced the same four things the disciples did. Our obedience often preceded our understanding. We needed to take steps towards it before we understood it all. Uh, we couldn't possibly fathom all of it, but we needed to obey. We knew that's where we were supposed to head, so we started going. Jesus called us to follow him, and he has been with us every step of the way. I mean, it has been so evident where he has called us to in the midst of this, the ways we've seen things change, the hope that we have seen. Jesus doesn't need or depend on Summit in our abilities, but he uses us. Time and time again, we're reminded he does not need Summit there. He doesn't need the things we have, but he lets us be part of it. It's so incredible. And as we follow Jesus, we have definitely been over our heads as a church. Um, The AIDS pandemic in Africa, where it started and now has turned into more looking at all the resources and all the systemic issues there. When you see the bigger picture and you see the numbers and you see the corruption and you see uh, just every bit of it, it is so overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Like to look at the bigger picture and then you look at the continent of Africa, it's pretty big. And you even get into a countryside where we are only focusing in a couple of places of Malawi and Uganda, Ethiopia. Those are still really big places. And then you even get into a smaller place like a city like It's Still a really big place. It's a lot of people and a lot of issues. It's all way over our heads. It's all bigger than anything we could do on our own. It's all so overwhelming. But what has been incredible in the midst of as we followed them in is that we've seen lives changed. Because Jesus is about changing lives. He is all about freedom. and He's all about changing systemic issues as well. But it starts with people. He loves people. That's what we will learn throughout this year is that Jesus comes for you and I. He comes for people and to change lives. And as those lives are changed, systems change in the midst of it. And we have been able to see that. As we have continued to go, as we have continued to partners, we've been willing to say, what's next, God? We have seen lives change. And I want to tell you about a couple of them because uh, fortunately I've been able to go these last couple of summers uh, to Malawi. And, and a little bit of my heart is there, I will be honest. It has been incredible to see what's there. Uh, this is my friend, Doris. Uh, Doris has got, had gotten to be really good friends with Rachel and I. Yes, that's a chicken. Um, he was delicious. Um, I did not give him a name. But um, Doris... Uh, it was our translator, and, and she is in college. And in fact, she just graduated about a month ago in this past December. And the here door is a story of where she started. I mean, she was a part of every part of awful thing you can imagine happening in Africa with missing parents and all this. But every time we talked to her, she's like, oh, but I just thank God that children of the nations came around. I just thank God that I was invited into a new family. I thank God that Summit comes and, and, and knows me. I, I needed to, to hear how much she trusts God day after day. Even in the midst now, she's graduated and trying to figure out what's next with her life, to see her trusting God, to see the obedience in the midst of that. And Doris's life looks radically different because she was loved by a group of people. Children of the nations is the organization we work with in Malawi that we work with in um, uh, Uganda and they hear just their vision, also in the Dominican Republic with our students, uh, their vision is to raise up kids to change the nations. By being able to feed them, by schooling them, by giving them a vision of something bigger, they're able to change the nations. And Dorse is starting to do that. She's about to enter the adult workforce. And while she's doing that, she's always looking for places to serve. She's always looking for people to love. And one of those people that she helps me love is Simeon. Uh, Simeon is a sweet little boy that I got to meet last summer who has become our sponsor child there. And you can see Simeon, um, I thought he was about six or seven. It was kind of the age we were given. He's 12. And you can see how tiny he is in this picture. Um, here, he'd probably be diagnosed somewhere on the autistic spectrum. And I will tell you, uh, having a disability in a developing nation is not the best of places to be. Um, as you ask around, you don't see a lot of it because it takes a lot of care and it takes a lot of resources. And those don't exist in a lot of places, especially in Malawi. So a lot of folks don't survive those first years. You don't see a lot of severely disabled folks there, Um, but Simeon uh, was loved in. He was brought into this community and it's been incredible to see him grow because a year later, this past summer when I got to see him, you'll see he's grown quite a bit. Um, He's getting healthier, he's learning more. And Doris um, lives just in the same village with him. So Doris will often, uh, text me on WhatsApp, and Rachel and I. And she's like, hey, I just saw Simeon today. He's doing very well. I, do you want me to tell him anything? So it's been fun. We have this relationship now. And through the relationship, we're able to see God moving and working. And then we got this picture at Christmas of Simeon, who's just getting bigger and bigger and, and, and getting more healthy and learning. And it's um, just so fun to hear reports back. But Simeon's life is different because he was invited in, because he knows God. When you talk to Simeon, he knows that Jesus loves him very much. He may not know a whole lot beyond that and there are parts where he's almost through it, but he knows that God loves him and he knows that there are people that love him and, and our friends in Malawi know Summit Church. That is one of the things that has astounded me time and time again. When we go, they say, you're from Summit? Oh, oh, Summit. Thank you. We pray for you every day. And that that's humbling because I'm like, no, 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 we're supposed to be helping you, right? Like we're sponsoring kids. Like, no, 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 we're praying for you. And... and it's reciprocal, it's a relationship. It's not one-sided, it's all of it. God invites us to be together in the midst of it and to see changed lives. But when you have folks that are sitting on the other side of the world praying for you every day, you may wonder why this church is a church because of people like that. Because we've been building relationships across the world in the midst of this. One of the really exciting things to see happening in the midst of Africa as we've been called in is the Africa Windmill Project. Um, couple years ago, well, one of our first trips about 10 or 11 years ago, which I just found out Shannon was on one of those very first trips. I never knew that. Uh, Shannon, who was singing this morning, went 10 years ago. Um, and around that time, John Drake, who comes here to Lake Mary, I don't think he's back there today, but he saw, he was an engineer, and he saw that there was a problem uh, with food. And Malawians are incredible farmers. They love, I mean, every person there knows how to farm, which um, I would like to learn how to do that better. And they all have plots of land, but the problem is they have a rainy season, they have a dry season. So they grow just enough in the rainy season, but they don't have a plan for the whole year. Uh, Most of the time they take their food, they have to sell it and then buy it back at exorbitant prices, it's a, a systemic issue. And so John said, well, what if we could teach irrigation? What if we could get water? Because they actually have a lot of groundwater. What if we get it from one place to the next to help food grow? And so over these last few years, he developed a windmill and some very simple and effective cheap pumping techniques that they can use. And in this next picture, you can see this is what it looks like in the midst of where everybody else is dry and red and nothing growing. They have food growing and they've been able to train, I think they 750 farmers this last year, and they're going on to train their communities and their families, and they're starting to think about food beyond just what can I have today? That's sort of where they started. They're starting to think, where's my food coming from next month? Where's it coming from six months from now? So this is changing, but in the midst of it, people are hearing about Jesus as well, but they're also getting food. And it's this beautiful picture of what God has called us to do because someone was faithful. That's what I love so much about this story. John was faithful to go. He didn't know exactly why he was going. And then God called him and his family into something bigger that is really starting to transform pieces of this nation. Here's my question for you. Uh, Do you believe that God could do something significant for you this year? Like, do you really believe that? We're in the first week, and I know for some of us, like, it's easy to think, well, I've already blown it. Like, I've already made my resolution. I've already tanked it on day three. But do you really believe, or could you, could you believe that God wants to do something significant for you this year? That belief has called our church to go to Africa. It's called Summit to be a part of what God is doing there, and it's called us as individuals to go. Maybe for you, it's that you don't know what God is calling you to, but I would encourage you to explore if he's calling you to go to Africa. That's at least one first step. My hope and prayer and guidance is that for all of us is to go into this year with the hope and belief that God will use you in bigger ways than you can imagine without God. That's for all of us. I really hope that you can get to a place to believe that God could use you in a bigger way than you could have ever imagined. That the thousands of us across all the campuses of Summit Church would believe that and lean into that. That we will obey before we understand everything. That we will follow Jesus and experience him with us. That we would know that Jesus doesn't need us or depend on us, but that he wants to use us. That all of us would feel in over our heads as we grow closer to Jesus and as he walks by our side. That's my hope for all of us. That we would all experience all of those things. The same thing that the disciples experienced when Jesus called them out of that boat. And whatever that is that God's calling you to this year. Specifically today on this Join Africa Sunday, my hope and prayer is that a hundred of us across the campuses of Summit will go to Africa. And that includes some of you in this very room. If you have any sense, if you have any stirring inside of you like, hey, I I might I might be supposed to go to Africa or something about that seems like maybe something I should do. Take the step. That's not normal. If you are wondering, like, is it normal to want to go to Africa? It is not. Um, That is one of those things that has become more and more clear. This is not an easy process. It is not a short process. It is not a cheap process. It, It is a long process to get there. So if there's a stirring inside of you to do that, I would encourage you to take steps to find out what that might mean. Um, start obeying before you fully understand what you should do. Start following Jesus. Know he doesn't need you to go to Africa, but he w- would wants to use you there. Know that you'll feel in over your head a lot. But the first step is really, really easy. Fill out this card. If there's any piece of you that's stirring in there, fill out this card. Uh, on the right, right on the back, there's, uh, you can put it in there, I'm interested in joining a team or I'm not sure what my next step is, but I'm interested in hearing more about it, write your name, email, phone number. You can drop it at the info booth on your way out. We'll be in touch. We're gonna have some information meetings. In fact, the dates are up there at the top in these next couple of weeks, but take the step. But for all of us, my prayer is that you will investigate where is God calling you to this year? Believe that he can do incredible things and let's follow him into this year as we get to know him better.